0: Hello, and welcome to the Soundweavers podcast. Soundweavers explores the trials and tribulations of small ensemble musicianship through conversations with leading performers and composers. In today's cast chat, we will be discussing three essential components of launching a new project. We hope you enjoy
1: lovely and wonderful gentlefolk welcome back to the sound weavers podcast as always i am your harping host dr rosanna moore In the room is dr blair kerner hello my dear hello and below me is dr adam paul cordell how are you today my dear
0: i'm doing well thank you rosie how are you
1: Ah, uh, not too shabby So today we wanted to talk about the essential components for developing a new project. Now, this is something that again, students or young professionals may have spoken about a little bit in school, but we feel that this is something that is kind of left to the wayside. And again, like starting a chamber group is something that you kind of have to figure out yourselves. So we wanted to talk about three different aspects of putting together new projects, articulating a vision and time frame, using people as a resource or when to use people as a resource I should point out and then finally planning and raising funds because nothing in this life is done for free. I'm going to pass you to Blair to talk about our first aspect of this articulating a vision and the time frame.
2: Thank you very
1: much. So
2: Obviously, when we are saying projects here, this encompasses quite a few different things that you could potentially do. This might be a commissioning project. This might be an educational um, initiative that you might want to create, like a festival or a workshop series. This might be even just simply a recital, um, or it might be the grand project of starting your own chamber group. Um, Either which way, there's a few questions that you definitely want to ask yourself and any other people that you're collaborating with as well to clarify at the very get-go to make sure you understand you're all on the same page. So I have three questions within my topic that I would like to highlight. First and foremost, what is the goal or purpose of this project? So you need to articulate very clearly why. (laughs) Why are you doing this? What's the purpose? What's going to be the outcome of this particular project? Okay. Is it going to be a recital? Wonderful. It doesn't stop there. Or will it be recorded to then be released for further? Or will it be at live streams? Um, and if it's released further, is that going to be something that's just for you and your professional development? Or are you going to be heavily marketing it to other individuals? Commissionings, same thing. How will this work? What's the goal of the commissioning? Is it just simply to commission a new piece for yourself? Or is there a purpose behind that commission? A story that you want to tell, a person you want to connect with, etc. Write that down. The second thing I would highlight, which goes into then the time frame a little bit as well, is what are your needs? So if you're developing a project, you're going to have lots of resources you're going to need to tap into. They could be people resources, which Rosie's going to talk about. They could be funding. They could be time. They could be items. So one of the things that um, Yarnwire recently discussed is one of their high needs is the fact that they need space. They're a percussion and piano group that physically needs a space. There are not many other groups that would require that. Sure, they could just go to somebody's apartment, there needs to be a space, but they're much more flexible in that. Your needs also might be something along the lines of access to specific technology, access to individual people that you might wanna connect with, et cetera. So think about those needs and also write those down because that'll help you prioritize maybe what the funds are for or what you spend your focus and time on. Which then relates to my third question, what is your time frame for this? One of the things I see most when I talk with individuals that are working on projects or when I read grants is the lack of understanding how much time it actually takes to get a project off the ground and then to the full completion right?
1: I I am certainly happy to say that my first large-scale commissioning project I did with my percussion harp duo, yeah, we thought we'd be done in six months. We're still doing it years later, A, because it turned into a behemoth of a project, but also we went, oh, oh, this is, this, this is bigger than, than we think it is. And you really have to think about that from the start, but unless you're given those tools to say, How do you start this? How do you get it off the ground? You're never going to know that. Exactly.
2: So a few things that you can ask yourself to understand, you know, what the time frame around this would be is how much time are you willing to commit a week to this project? Right. That's a number that you can just flat out ask yourself. I'm ready to commit two hours a week, whether that is going to track down people or writing grants or, you know, rehearsing with individuals or doing whatever that might be and then figure that out. Okay, great considering how long it might take to rehearse uh you know getting recordings writing up materials doing marketing you know writing grants all of that good stuff um think about that that's one way of asking and also this is really important for you to understand if you've got collaborators because if it's clear in your mind when the timeline is talking about commissioning projects, but not clear to your collaborators, that might cause some tension. Um, So one of those things is that if you're very clear at the get-go that this piece needs to be commissioned by the end of six months, and that's not the type of style that the the writer normally composes in, then they can put up their hand and go, mm, I'm going to need more time, which is something that actually Rosie and I experienced with hats and heels. And we gave that individual more time and we're glad that we did it because it actually resulted in a really great product. Yeah. But we were flexible in that space um, and we are able to you know build out a project well and strong by thinking about our time frame, acknowledging it front up, and then when willing, being able to extend it a little bit. Acknowledging, of course, not every project will be able to be extended. So then that means you have to figure out from between now and the schedule recital date or the schedule thing that you have to accomplish. Maybe it's a summer festival and summers are coming up. Um, Then that means you really do need to consider what you need to get done from now until then. So a timeline will help you prioritize what are the things that are absolutely needs and what are the things that are kind of wants. And one of the things I read recently um, someplace on Instagram, right, was um, an individual talking about, uh, you know, juggling all the things. And you will drop something when you're developing a project. Hands down, something will drop. But you need to know which of these things you're juggling is glass and which of these things are plastic. Which can you drop that will absolutely shatter and which of these things will bounce back? So that's a question to ask yourself as you continue moving forward, thinking about your timeline and what needs to be prioritized. The next thing we're
1: going to talk about, or I am going to talk about, is using people as a resource. But I am going to start with the old thing that we have talked about in so many of our episodes with so many of our guests is be nice. Be nice and then people will want to be part of your project or will want to support your project, whether it is um, with monetary funds. and For example, if you're doing a Kickstarter or a fundraising campaign, whether Mm -hmm. it's sharing it if they're not able to give you money at that particular time, whether they even want to work with you in the first place, it is just one of those things. I'm going to keep saying this in episodes, be nice to each other because that is how we manage to work together, especially within the arts community. Another thing is to not view meeting people as transactional. This can be very difficult, uh, I think, in this world where everything we do has to be networking. It is pretty obvious to everyone involved when you see these people who do view you as just a transactional benefit. And that is something that does end up getting around the industry and it does mean that people will not want to work with you if you continue to do that i unfortunately have seen colleagues uh, who have uh, behaved like this in the past and people are less likely to work with them in future unless you slightly change you the way you do this if you are going up to someone and asking them to work with you in any form and we'll talk about different types of resource uh in a moment you have to make sure that a they're the right person to work with, be that you have an open conversation, like Blair mentioned before, write things down, see if this is the right person for your project, see if you're the right person for the project as well, and be very honest with yourself with it. Also, it's a case of finding the fine line of networking and being obnoxious. If you are asking yourself to do whatever you're asking a group to do or a composer to do or a funder to do, would you like the way that you were approaching that person? And we've seen different ways that this has shaked out with many of our guests over the last year and a bit. Uh, We were talking with Edith a couple of episodes ago. She actually uses people in a resource in a wonderful way because she just creates a project with the people that are around her in any particular time. And I think that's a wonderful way of building your community.
2: As a career advisor, walking by another career advisor's door, there's a great visual image and it says networking is not about collecting people and it shows like a jar of marbles. Mm. It's about building a network and it shows a spider web instead. And making those connections. So rather than just collecting individuals and storing them away for another rainy day, it's about making and drawing connections between all the people that you know in the networks. So it ends up growing out and it's an ever growing uh, community, as you mentioned, rather than just the transactional, okay, I've collected that item and now I'm going to just put it away.
0: Well, I think the other thing, too, that we've heard as a constant refrain in all of our conversations, especially recently, is the idea of, of building relationships, right? Yes. I think that this gets back to that idea of the spider web. And I, I think in every instance that I can imagine in my professional life, My collaborations all started from a place of respect and working with people whom I deeply admire and whom I love. So I think that that's the thing that's really important to remember when considering people as resources is that it is really about the relationship that you have developed with those individuals.
1: Absolutely. So they're a different type of people as resources there are the people who are potentially going to help fund your project people who are going to give time to this project now they could be writing you a piece they could be interdisciplinary artists um it could be interviewees interviewees (laughs) yes it could also be there may be someone behind the scenes who is helping to build your website for example thank you jill there are different ways of of these people coming about and you want to make sure that you're pulling on them at the correct time so building this network so that you can also potentially connect colleagues of yours with other people in your network uh, it's just a way of a spreading the wealth and spreading the love around a little bit but also a way of just helping everyone start to get to know each other. And I will say in addition
2: to time commitment and funding commitment, there's knowledge commitment. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Don't undervalue that like knowledge people have. If someone has done a project similarly that you're interested in, a commissioning, a podcast, you know, a recital or engaging in community, pick their brain. Right. Obviously, that's time in the sense of going and having a conversation, but they're not necessarily part of the project, but they might give you information, ideas, other resources, concepts, things that you never even thought of. And that's like research. Right. So they're a part of that research process where before you jump full in and as you're thinking about your purpose and your timeline, they can inform you, actually, it's probably going to take you a little bit longer, or actually, it's actually not as bad as you thought, etc. So knowledge is another thing you can definitely gain from individuals in your network.
1: So now let's get down to the nitty gritty, the things that <laughs> no one needs, to, no one wants to talk about. No one ever likes talking about money, least of all artists, but we need to, and we need to learn to be better about it. Dr. Cordell, can you uh, give us some give us some tips and tricks?
0: Well, so I have to say, actually, um, my grandfather was a CPA, and so I actually quite enjoy the process of thinking about money. And as both of you know, I love spreadsheets. So you know, you can't find um, a marriage more perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say. That, um, you know, I I certainly have witnessed over the course of my career trajectory the um, reticence to talk about money and to have to think about money. And I think one of the pitfalls that a lot of artists fall into is the fact that they do establish their vision and they have a clear idea of what it is that they want. And so they just move straight into income generation, right? They move into, um, you know, they they launched their Kickstarter and they haven't really even thought about, um, all of the, the little finite details that go into actually, um, why do I need this money? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, um, and I think that, you know, one of the things that you have to do first is that you have to establish your budget, um, as dry as that can feel. The thing that is so good about that is that it gives you a really clear sense of exactly what steps are going to be necessary, um, not only from a money perspective, but also from a from the time frame that Blair was talking about, right? Having an idea of, okay, well, I need to accomplish X and Y and Z. And I can even speak from my own personal experience. When I began really thinking about recording an album suddenly i realized uh, actually i i have no idea how what all goes into that right i mean i have a general idea of i walk in and i record and i walk out but <laughs> but beyond that you know who all am i paying for and who all do i need and what is optional and all of that how That's...
2: much do they ask for and is that appropriate and
0: right exactly and it's just in it, there's just there's a lot more that goes into that sort of a thing so the the first thing that that I think is important to consider is that you have to determine what those expenses are going to be, right? You have to start with, you know, if you don't have prior experience, what are, or I should say, where are the templates for your project, right? Who is it that inspired you to do this project? Because it's highly unlikely that you just decided out of the blue that you wanted to record an album, right? Um, And how is it that that individual or that ensemble actually prepared for successful completion? Right. So one of the things that I think about is that um, everyone that we've asked to be on the podcast has been so giving of their time and so awesome about just saying, of course, I'd be happy to. Right. <laughs> and, you know, from that experience, I have learned that I can easily just approach someone, you know, let's say a member of the Jack Quartet or a member of Third Coast Percussion, I can just go to those individuals and say, hey, can you walk me through what the process is for Mm -hmm. recording an album? Um, Let's say, you know, or I can approach Fifth House Ensemble or Yarnwire to talk to them about how do you get an institute off the ground, right? Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of of, um, resources, people as resources, who can help to set you up for um, figuring out that nitty gritty detail of, well, okay, exactly what do I need to do in order to get to where I want to go? But the second thing then is once you have a sense of what it is that you're paying for, you have to identify your funding sources. And I think that this becomes a very um, project-based or ensemble-based, organizational-based problem, right? Because Mm -hmm. let's say that the project that you're pursuing is primarily focused on cultural or educational endeavors. Maybe you're looking for applying for grants that are going to help to fund that, right? Maybe you are affiliated with a nonprofit organization. Understanding you know, what your background is in that regard is helpful in terms of figuring out what likely funding sources you have. On the other hand, let's say that your project is largely commercial. What you're hoping to do is you're hoping to record an album and sell it, right? This is not necessarily supposed to be an educational endeavor, but more of a self-promotional experience, right? In that case, you're looking at crowdfunding, you're looking at um, whomever your connections may be in terms of people who may be interested in getting this um, work recorded or um, this particular idea or concept out there, right? Who is your target audience, right? Who are the people who are gonna benefit from this project? Really understanding what the takeaways are for the participants in your endeavor, whether they be listeners or students or colleagues, understanding those sorts of things are going to dramatically affect the potential for what funding sources you have and which ones you should pursue. So I think, you know, the other thing too that I think is a really interesting Experience right now uh, is the idea of the consortium. And mm-hmm. um, in particular, the organization that I've been watching over the past several years is the Flute New Music Consortium, because uh, their model, in a lot of ways, is a very collaborative model for a number of individuals who are not necessarily nonprofit entities, right? One of the Interviewees that we have coming up is Rena who who is in the process of being commissioned for fall of 2024 through the Flute New Music Consortium, and that whole idea is that you know each individual is throwing in 150 bucks, and all of that together is going to go into creating. Uh, an entirely new work, right?
2: Just to clarify for people who don't know what consortiums are, here I am always asking the questions of thinking about my (laughs) students. Could you clarify what a consortium is in just a few sentences?
1: So a consortium, is where a group of individuals or a group of ensembles will pay in to support a new piece of music being written. So this could be a bunch of saxophone quartets paying in for one new saxophone quartet that's being written. Now the terms of the contract will change from composer to composer, from consortium to consortium, but the ones that I have been involved in in the past mean that uh, you often have a consortium captain That person helps to promote the consortium and does not have to pay into it unless they are able and they get the rights to the first recording. But the rest of the people within the consortium have unlimited rights to perform the work for the first year. And after the captain has recorded it, they're allowed to record it to their heart's content as well. Like a traditional commission, uh, the people who pay into this consortium also have the rights over this piece over anyone else. If anyone else is interested in the piece, they do have to wait until the end of the uh, limitations on the piece before other groups perform the work. So it's a really wonderful way of helping to spread the wealth and uh, spread the music amongst multiple individuals. And I do thoroughly recommend more people uh, look into it.
0: So the final point that I wanted to tie in here in terms of uh, financing a project is the idea of seeking support from your network. And I think that it's really important to consider the fact that um, like what Rosie was alluding to earlier, you know, a successful crowdfunding campaign or a grant application actually provides a level of assurance that your project has been designed in a way that it's going to be successful. The thing that's really important about networking is that in a lot of ways, your your network helps to verify for you that these ideas will have support uh, long after your project is over. I mean, that's also not to say that if you have a failed grant application or crowdfunding campaign, that's not to say that your ideas weren't good. It just means that necess- that maybe they need to be a little bit refined in order to fit the context that you're in, or, or maybe have to you find need
2: the to- right connection.
0: Right. Or you have to find the right grant. Right. Mm-hmm. To understand that meaningful connections with colleagues are the key to launching and sustaining successful initiatives. The question that I ask in this regard is who are the colleagues in your life that have similar goals to you? And what organizations or community members are envisioning similar outcomes?
1: With that, we are at the end of this what could be a far larger discussion. But we hope that this has given you just some ideas of some things to think about when trying to put together any project. We look forward to seeing you for Cycle 2 where we have Rina Esmail, the Imani Wins, the aquarelle guitar quartet the pacific harp project so a right smattering of a group of individuals and ensembles that we hope that you enjoy listening to in the coming cycle <laughs>
0: Thank <laughs> you.